Mark chapter 5 and verses this morning will be verses 25 through 34. The word of the Lord says this. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but instead had become worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up uh, came up in the crowd behind them, him, and touched his cloak. For she had been saying to herself, If I just touch his garments, I will get well. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that power from him had gone out, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be cured of your disease. You may be seated. If you were with us last Sunday morning, we spoke about the great faith of Peter that in the midst of Thousands of leaving Christ. Christ turns to his disciples and asks, well, will you leave also? You will not leave also, would you? And Peter, being Peter, says, to whom shall we go? For you are the ones who have eternal life. And in the beginning of that sermon, I mentioned that there's people in the Bible who we can identify with and associate with. And Peter when we consider who he is and the faith that Peter has and the lack of faith that Peter has, the dumb things that Peter says, and just the profound, rich, theological things that Peter says, we say to ourselves, I can see myself as Peter. And then there's sometimes when you read in the Bible a story and you say to yourself, that's my story. There's sometimes when you read a story of someone and you don't merely just focus on who they are, and you associate yourself with that person, but rather you associate yourself with that person's story, what that person went through. And saints, as we come to Mark chapter 5, we have before us our story. Uh, This is our story. We can say that this is our testimony. All of us can identify with This woman meeting a glorious and merciful Savior. This morning, saints, I just have two points for us to consider. Number one, a desperate sinner. Number two, a merciful Savior. Number one, a desperate sinner. And number two, a merciful Savior. And again, I want you to see yourself in this woman and see yourself within the story of, of Mark chapter 5, but let's consider the first point, and that is a desperate sinner. 
a desperate sinner. As we come to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, we have before us a series of healings from our Lord. I mean, chapter five of the Gospel of Mark is really just a chapter speaking of the healings, or rather it highlights the healings of Christ. Now, the first healing we see is a man who is possessed by a demon and then is healed by Christ. The second healing takes place in the middle of the chapter, which is the one we're going to consider this evening, morning. And then the last healing is of this little girl who is 12 years old. <clears throat> After this event of Christ healing this one who was demon possessed, uh, we read of a large crowd uh, waiting for Jesus as he crosses the river and as Christ steps on the land. He suddenly is introduced to a man named Jairus. This man comes to Christ. He he falls down at the feet of Christ. And he says in verse 23, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. So Jairus comes up to Christ pleading that Christ would go and heal his little daughter. And Christ says in verse 24, and he went or rather it says in verse 24, and he went with him. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. So Jesus is making his way to this man's home to heal his daughter. And as he is walking, the crowds are getting bigger. They're following Christ to the point where Christ cannot walk without bumping into someone, without elbowing someone, without someone trying to reach out and grab him. And as Christ is making his way to heal this little girl, he's interrupted by a woman who desperately needs healing. He's on this road to heal, and in the middle of going to heal, he meets someone who needs healing. Verse 25 says this, a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. Now, There's three ways in which the Bible describes this woman. First, she's a woman. That's the first thing we note from this is she's a woman. And the second thing or the second way that the Bible describes this woman is she has a hemorrhage for 12 years. This woman for 12 years has been internally bleeding. For 12 years, she's been on her monthly cycle yearly. For 12 years. Now, women, I can't attest to this, but I live with a woman. (laughs) But imagine being on your monthly cycle for 12 years, not 12 months, not 12 days, 12 hours, but 12 years. Twelve years of headaches, of cramping, of back pain, of headaches. Twelve years of nonstop pain. But in addition to this woman's physical pain, she would have been an outcast to society. This is what we read in Leviticus 15, verses 25 through 27. Now, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days... Not at the period of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond that period, for all the days of your impure discharge, she shall continue as though 
in her menstrual impurity. She is unclean. Any bed, anything she sits down on, anything that she touches would be unclean. What we read in Leviticus 15 has been this woman's life for 12 years. For 12 years, she's been living out Leviticus 15. She is considered unclean by the world. Everything she touched was considered unclean. Everything she wore was considered unclean. She has no access to her family. She can't gather for worship. She couldn't live like a normal human being. If she was married, she couldn't see her husband. She couldn't get a hug or a kiss from her husband. If she wasn't married, then no man would want her. Because she was unclean. She lived a life of isolation. And to put it more in our modern day context, this woman has been quarantined for 12 years. For 12 years in complete isolation from the world. Her life was equivalent to a person with leprosy. But if her physical pain and social abandonment wasn't enough, we read in verse 26 this, and endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but instead became worse. This woman has seen every doctor that she could, every doctor that she could afford. And friends, at this, imagine all the crazy things the doctors were having this woman do. Imagine all of the medicines she was told to take. Imagine all of the liquid potions she was told to drink, all the various foods she was told to eat. And nothing Worked. In fact, she's only gotten worse. But this woman's misery doesn't stop there. For we read that she doesn't have a penny to her name. This woman's just life is just a downward spiral. She has spent all of her savings. In hopes that one day she would find a physician who would heal her. But in reality, these physicians were only good at taking her money. She's been scammed so many times. This woman is sick. She has no family or friends to turn to for help. And her bank account is empty. This woman, saints, at this point in her life is utterly desperate for help. And saints, when we read of this woman's physical condition, does it not remind you of your spiritual condition before Christ saved us? Isn't this woman's physical condition a vivid picture of our spiritual condition before Christ saved us? In fact, before Christ saved us, wasn't our sin condition worse than this woman's physical condition? Each and every one of us, before Christ saved us, in our sin, in our Adamic state, were spiritually unclean. All of us. 
We were the most disgusting and miserable of all men. All of our good works were considered unclean before God. And just as this woman was cut off from the world because of our sin, we were cut off from God. We lived in isolation. Friends, I hope that you remember who you were before Christ saved you. And notice, I'm not saying what you did, but rather who you were. You were a sinner through and through. Do you remember, saints, when you once was infected with that incurable disease of Adam's sin, of his guilt, when sin, like this woman's disease, ate away at your dignity and your attractiveness to God? That there was no beauty found in you. There was nothing lovely about you. When we, like this woman, were spiritually bankrupt. This woman has no physical money. And saints, we had not one ounce of righteousness attached to our name. Not one ounce. There was not one ounce, one inch, one centimeter of good in us. And just as this woman has seen many doctors in order to be properly diagnosed and healed, you too have sought many doctors. We have sought help the same way this woman has sought help. There's Dr. Atheism who says you don't have a sin problem. There's no such thing as a sin problem. That is a social construct. There's no such thing as Adam. He was imaginary. There's no such thing as a garden. That was simply your mom and dad and religious people filling up your head with lies to make you believe that you were not well. What you need to do is stop believing the lies. Then there's Dr. Good Works. There's Dr. Good Works and Dr. Good Works says, do this ritual Give this amount of money. Go to Mass. Pray five times a day. Be a good person. But Dr. Good Works cannot take away your sin problem. Dr. Atheism cannot take away your sin problem. Dr. Universalism, that hey, it's all going to pan out the end, cannot take away your sin problem. The world, the doctor of the world cannot take away your sin problem. Drink it away. Indulge in whatever vice they take it away. Sins, our friends, we all, like this woman, were hopeless. There was no doctor that we could afford, that we could go to, that can properly diagnose us and heal us. And saints, as we come to verse 27 of our text, it is as if a ray of light bursts forth. I mean, this woman here is utterly in despair. She's living in darkness. But as we come to verse 24, light penetrates through the darkness. This leads to our second point, and that is a merciful Savior. Again, for 12 years, this woman has been living in darkness. But as we come to verse 27, we read of these glorious words, and this should... This should be glorious to you. Verse 27. And after hearing about Jesus. After hearing about Jesus. 
Saints, these are sweet words because they are speaking of a sweet and merciful Savior. After hearing about Jesus, as a song that I used to listen to when I was younger, the sweetest name I know. There is no other name that is sweeter than Christ's name, Jesus For 12 years, this woman has heard the names of many so-called healers. For 12 years, she's heard of the names of various doctors, of various physicians, the names of various medicines. For 12 years, she's heard names. But in her 12th year of having this disease, she's heard of a man who others have touched. In the twelfth year of her having this disease, in fact, she's heard of a man who has touched others like her. In her twelfth year of having this disease, she hears about Jesus. Jesus. And the stories she's heard, I'm sure, have brought new life to her. This woman would be equivalent to one who's always on the Internet Searching for the newest, latest, and greatest uh, medicine that's out there. And I'm sure this, this woman, at, when she heard about Jesus, she probably went to those people whom Jesus has healed. She's probably done her research and said, did you actually meet him? Did he actually say that he's the Christ? Did you actually hear him equating himself with the Father? Did you see the blind man that was healed? Did you hear about the story of him walking on water and calming the sea? Is this all true? And saints, we see in verse 28, the motivation of this woman. She says, if I just touch his garments, I would get well. I mean, after she has done, I'm sure, all of her investigations, she says to herself, if I can just see him, if I can just touch him. But it's interesting that she doesn't say if I can touch his hand. She doesn't say if I can touch his feet or rather if he can touch me or if I can, uh, he can pray upon me. He doesn't, she doesn't say that. She says, if I can just touch his garments. I can just touch the the very ends of his cloak, the very fringes of his garment, that I will be well. You see, what this woman knew is what the Pharisees failed and didn't want to acknowledge, what the Sadducees didn't want to acknowledge, what so many atheists, what so many non-believers failed to acknowledge, and that is Jesus Christ is God. That she understood that there was power in anything that Christ touches. So if I can just touch his cloak, if I can just touch his garments, I can get well. She doesn't doubt whether Christ can heal her or not. There is not one ounce of doubt in her, but rather she doubts of whether she can get to him. Can I find him? And if I can find him, then I will be healed. This woman understood that Jesus Christ was no mere man. That he wasn't just the ordinary doctor that's out to get her money. That he wasn't just the physician that everyone speaks highly of, but rather he is the promised Messiah. 
That He is the One of Malachi 4.2, which says, For those who fear My name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. That this One that was promised in the very last book of the Old Testament, this Messiah who comes and has healing in His wings, He is here. This woman had faith that Jesus was all that he claimed to be. And saints, what is this woman essentially doing in her life at this point? Well, essentially what she's doing is she stopped looking at man to save. And she started looking at the God-man to save. She stopped putting all of her faith and trust in man. And started believing and putting all of her faith and trust in God. That is what she's doing here. As we come to verse 27 and 29 of our text, we see a desperate sinner finally meets the great physician. Verse 27 and 29 say, After hearing about Jesus, he came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. This woman as secretly as she can, moves to the crowd. I mean, imagine this woman, probably with her hood on, not wanting to be seen because, remember, she could, she wasn't allowed to be in large crowds. She wasn't allowed to associate with other people. So um, imagine if she told others, if she raised her hand and said, hey, I have an issue with blood, she could split the room in half. Imagine if these people knew that they were rubbing elbows with a woman that was unclean. But she's motivated. She comes up behind Christ in humility, in fear and trembling, and she touches his cloak. This woman touches the very fringes, the very loose ends of Christ's garment and immediately is healed. Just as Christ calmed the sea, and Jesus Christ here calms this woman's blood flow. He stops it at its tracks. The woman who has been sick for 12 years, 12 long years, is sick no more. But saints, the story doesn't stop there. In fact, the story gets even better. In verse 30 to 31, after the woman touched Jesus, we read that Jesus asked, who touched my garments? And the disciples are puzzled by this question. They say, Christ, everyone's touching you. What do you, and what do you mean, who touched my garments? But Jesus knew that this was no ordinary touch. For this was the touch of faith. The side point saints, but how are you this morning reaching out to Christ? In what manner are you reaching out to Him? Are you reaching out to Christ with the touch of faith? Are you reaching out to Christ merely because you want something from Him? Saints, we need to touch Christ the same way this woman sought to touch Christ with faith and belief. And as everyone is looking around to find who touched Jesus, mind you, 
I'm not going to go down this rabbit trail. You can ask me after. But Jesus actually, he knew who touched him. But in verse 33, we read this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. I mean, those last two words are glorious. She told the whole truth. I can imagine this woman comes out from amongst all the people, amongst all the the tall men and all that. She throws herself at Christ, falls down at his feet. She's crying hysterically. and She says, Lord, I heard of all the stories. I heard of all the miracles. I investigated. I talked to every single person I could. Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the Son of God. That you had healing in your wings. And I came to you. And you healed me, Lord. Do you understand that you healed me? For 12 years. I was living in pain. But Lord, you healed me. Please do not judge me. Please do not, please do not cast me aside. Please do not undo your healing. And as this woman is on the ground, spilling her whole heart to Christ, the Lord reaches down and says to this woman in verse 20, 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be cured of your disease. Now, there's three things I just want to highlight before we close. The first, we see that Christ identifies this woman He says, daughter, daughter. In all of the New Testament, Christ only calls someone daughter one time in this specific way. And it is this time. He says, daughter. Saints, when was the last time someone called this woman daughter? When was the last time someone referred to this woman other than her condition? When was the last time someone thought of this woman other than her condition? When was the last time she wasn't referred to as unclean? She wasn't referred to as the woman with the issue with blood, but she was referred to as daughter. You see, society didn't want this woman. Society said, you're not worthy to walk amongst us, to be in the crowds with us. But here Christ says, she's mine. Christ says, I claim her. Christ here eases this woman's fear and trembling with just one word. Daughter. Then he says to this woman. Daughter, your faith has made you well. You see, the Bible. Describes this woman by and identifies this woman by her condition, but here. Here we see the true identity of this woman. She's a daughter of God. And as a daughter of God, your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. Your salvation has come to you. Now, I had a very long uh, explanation of this verse. Because of how wrong many Pastors and theologians have uh, manipulated people because of this verse and in light of this verse. But what I will say is this. This woman's faith was the instrument. 
This woman's faith was the means of not only her healing, but of her salvation. That this woman's faith was the instrument. It was the means by which the benefits of Christ came to her. You see, her faith didn't save her. It was Christ that saved her. And how does she get to Christ? Through faith. How can I get the benefits of Christ? Through faith. It's important to note, saints, that this faith was not a product of this woman. This faith did not begin in this woman. This faith was not rooted first and foremost in this woman because of this woman. She is not the cause of her faith. But rather, this woman's faith is a gift of God. So that no man may boast. This faith of the woman was a blessing from God to her. Mind you, not because she deserved it. It's not as if God looked down and said, man, that girl right there, 12 years, I know. I'm going to give her faith. It's not because she prayed every single day she was given faith. It's not because she did something in her life that caused God and God, and, 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 and God reacted in such a way to bless her. God did not feel sorry for this woman. But God chose out of his free love to give this woman a gift. This faith originates in God and God alone. Out of his free love to give to this woman. Jesus here is teaching us a lesson, saints. Just as all the miracles of Christ point to a deeper spiritual reality. Jesus here is pointing to a a deeper spiritual reality. And that is no one can be saved except through faith alone. No one can receive the benefits of Christ except through faith alone. Not faith plus your money. Not faith plus works. Not faith plus your own righteousness. Not faith plus the mass, sacraments, anything. But through faith. You receive the benefits of Christ. How does one get to Christ? How does one merit heaven on the account of Christ? And the scandal of the gospel is this. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. That is it. Saints, what is the great happy ending of this story? Well, it's not the physical healing of this woman, but it is the spiritual healing of this woman. That's the happy ending of this story. And the last words of Christ that he says to her are indeed the sweetest. He says to her, rather, he says to his daughter, go in peace and be cured of your disease. Go in peace. This is salvation language. Christ has already claimed her. And now he says, now here's the benefits of me claiming you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Christ gives to her more than just a physical healing. Saints, he gives to her peace. 
peace. Do you know this peace? It's the peace that Christ gave to his disciples in John 14. That peace. That peace that the world cannot give. That the world doesn't know. This peace. This peace that calms troubled hearts and, and fearful hearts. That peace. This peace that Paul talks about in Philippians 4-7 that surpasses all understanding. When someone says, how are you so peaceful? Because of Christ. It's supernatural peace given to supernatural people who are us, who are in Christ. He gives to her saints ultimately himself. When Christ gives peace, he gives himself and all of his benefits, all of his merits, all the grace that he has in his humanity is distributed to us via the Holy Spirit. This woman woke up this morning, saints, a desperate sinner. And she went to sleep that night, a daughter of God. She woke up that morning wondering when she will be healed. And she went to sleep that night. Not only healed physically, but her soul was well. In closing, saints, the physical healing of this woman led to her spiritual healing. We can say that this woman's physical healing was just but a shadow of what she needed most, and that was her soul being healed. And isn't that the type of healing we needed, saints? We once were alienated from God. Sinners in need of a great physician. And one day, in year 20, in year 25, in year 30, in year 19, whenever Christ opened your eyes, by grace He gave you the gift of faith to believe in Him. And on that moment you believed, you no longer or a sinner in Adam, but you are a saint of God. That moment you believe sin did not define who you are, but you were defined by the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And what is the great benefit of all of this? It's peace. If you don't have peace this morning, saints, I offer you Jesus Christ and him crucified. Believe on him. Know him. And saints, if you are a saint of God this morning, if you have peace, then simply put, go in peace. Live in light of this peace. And your soul will be well for all your days. Let's pray.